Sex. Seemingly, it's being sold at a faster rate than ever before as an entire generation of young women across social media continue to flaunt their empowered bodies. But for 30% of straight males under 30, sex is not happening at all. How is this possible? Every single platform designed for young people is selling sex. Hand over. Well, you get the picture. But what's most disturbing is this empowered generation of young women who have freed the nipple and taken control of their body image has seemingly lost control of their body image and their mental health by participating in the inevitable comparisons of self to others. For better or for worse, the biggest critic you will ever see in your lifetime is the one looking right back at you in the mirror. Since the rise of social media, young women in this country who are experienced depression, self-esteem lows, and have suicidal tendencies are now making up 57% of the population. Make no mistakes, this impacts realistic expectations of long-lasting relationships. And now it's being suggested that one possible reason for men and women not hooking up or maintaining long-lasting relationships is because one doesn't like themselves and the other doesn't think you like them. So in a world so connected, we are definitely anything but. Take my advice. Put down your phones and let the mirror show the real you and compare it only to the you from yesterday. Go out and say hello to someone, and if the first person doesn't like you, statistics show that the next one will. Bobby Talks. Always more to the story. Welcome, everyone, to the premiere of season four of Bobby Talks dot dot dot. Those dots are there to tell you that there's always more to the story. And today's story is going to be an interesting one. We are going to be looking at the American relationships. Do they exist anymore? Specifically, we're going to be diving into youth relationships as well as adults, but kind of the traditional path. And today, my guest is going to be talking about those non-traditional paths as well really dissecting the mental health status of the American society, our culture, and how those things that we dive into, such as social media, um, our self-esteem, our body image, all those variables that take place in impacting our relationships. Today, I'm with licensed therapist Jess Acock, and she is out of North Carolina. She specializes in sexuality, the taboo, spirituality, and all things non-traditional relationships. I'm so glad to have her on the show. How are you doing? I am wonderful. Thanks for having me, Robert. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to have you. I I was reaching out to people for a while to try to kind of book this show. And again, we talked offline about what I wanted it to be, this hypersexuality of American society today, especially through the eyes of uh, Instagram, TikTok, and, and Snapchat. And I kept getting people that were too afraid to talk about it. They were not comfortable with this, this subject matter, so they didn't want to come near it. Um, and for teach their own, they all have their right. But what I was looking for, and I kind of felt like you were the answer, Jess, is that I was looking for somebody not only who likes to dive and talk about the taboo topics, but likes to dive into the non-traditional way of doing things and to kind of see if you bring a fresh perspective because maybe some of the things I say you might look at is not necessarily a bad thing. There might be a counter, you know, a counter punch to all of these things that I bring to the table. Um, and that's where we're at today. So the setup to the show was talking about American relationships. Do they exist anymore? Do they not? Statistics will say that relationships, 
sex, things of that nature are actually on the decline. Before we dive into actual facts, I just want to get your, your, your thoughts right away on where, first of all, how old are you, Jess? I am 42. Okay. You're 42 years, 42 years young. I, what <laughs> is your, your, impl or what is your um, impression right now of America and our, what is the state of the union on relationships with the American society? Wow, that's such a great question because I think it it really does have a lot of there's there's so much to that question. First of all, um, I think we're going in a way that a lot of people are uncomfortable with, and that means um, that non traditional type of a relationship. I have so many people who come to me um, and find me and have had bad, bad experiences with therapists in the past who didn't have the same views or weren't open to understanding non-traditional relationships. And that's anything outside of, outside of monogamy, really. Um, and it's really give, give us some examples of what you're talking about. Cause I know you yeah. specifically, you specifically, uh, specialize in these areas. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the, uh, polygamy or polygamous type things. What are some other examples? Yeah. Okay. So there's a, <laughs> this is also a really loaded question because there are so many different types really? of relationships. And one of the things that I love about it is that there are labels out there, but your relationship does not have to have a label. And this is what I tell people all the time is that you and your partner are the only ones who have it, who have any say as to what your relationship looks like. So if you want to open up your relationship and it, ha it be more than just you and your partner, that's totally fine. So when we're talking about labels, though, we're talking about like open relationships, which include anything beyond just monogamy, right? Like monogamy, one one person, two individuals, right? Um, when when we're talking about polyamory, that includes multiple committed relationships together. So it may mean um, one primary couple and then each having an additional person who is um, secondary to them, essentially. Uh, but they're all committed to each other and there's no outside, no one outside of that little pod, if that makes sense. Sure, um, it does. It does. And what I want to, and we'll dive into a lot of that yeah. when we talk about the idea of commitment, right? Commitment mm -hmm. um, is, is, Commitment secular, is it something that should be singular? Is it something that should be when you commit to one person or is it an ideology? In this case, you're talking about committing to an ideology um, mm -hmm. and to multiple partners. I would be somebody who I don't necessarily follow suit to any type of traditional pathway when it comes to necessarily, like I, I believe in one partner personally mm -hmm. for me because I mean, I God knows I struggle enough just trying to make one person happy, let alone you know, try to make two or three, right? Um, right? With that being said, I would be somebody who would push back uh, and say that there has to be some levels of uh, implications that come with those types of relationships, as there would be with a monogamous relationship, right? Mm -hmm. um, have you found that to be more of a fad? Because you said we're going towards this unconventional style of relationships, do you believe it to be something that's going to stick around or is it just going to be kind of the fad and it's always going to be kind of that counter society, that counter culture, you know, kind of, and we're always going to be this one V one really type thing. 
you know, it's really hard to say. I really don't know. Um, I, I don't want to say that it's just a fad because I don't really truly believe that it is a fad. Um, but I, no one knows what's going to happen, right? Like the way that everything is kind of going with the decisions that are being made in the country right now, it could, there could be serious implications for anybody who has anything other than a monogamous relationship in the future. Um, so in that case, it probably would be something that's kind of still in the fringe and not really talked about or kind of goes back into being this very taboo topic. Um, but I do see a lot more people uh, identifying as bisexual and or being open to um, open relationships of some sort, whatever that may look like. And I do believe that there are implications for any relationship. And again, that's kind of where it comes into you and your partner are the only ones who get to decide what your relationship looks like. So if you and your partner have a dis have made a choice and a decision that you will open it up to another person or other people, um, that's what you have decided. That's nobody can really say anything about that, um, essentially, right? It's it's your decision as a couple. And then it, the other thing is, is at any point in time, you can choose to close the relationship again and not have it be open. Uh, so I think that there's just a lot of fluidity with that, that people get uncomfortable with because we are so used to monogamy. And once you find one person, you're with that person forever and there are no other options. <laughs> I like the way you put that. There are no other options. Well, there's 8 billion of us in this world. There's a lot of options. It's just, the, uh, right. <clears throat> it's just once you're there, right? Um, why would you say that, and I, I, I think it's clear that we should, we should mention that again, this is still a small minority of, of relationships that exist, but it is an increasing type of relationship pathway that people are taking, um, without spending so much time on it. I do kind of ponder the thought about why people are taking a, an alternative route to relationships. Like what do you find in your studies or in your rooms when you're talking to these people about why people are quote unquote bailing on uh, monogamy and opening their doors up to something different? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think there's a lot of times that people just don't, um, honestly, sometimes I think people are just rebellious and they don't want to conform. And so they're like, no, I'm just going to do whatever I want to kind of thing. Um, and the, the generations that are coming up right now are very much more open to having open types of relationships and non-conforming to any kind of uh, traditionality. Um, I'm sorry, and now I forgot what the rest of your question was. No, 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 no. What? what you just said is where I want to segue anyways. What you, okay. just, you talked about, you know, younger people being more brave, right? And I don't know if brave is the right word, but more curious, more curious of this idea of open relationships. I, I think that stands true for every generation prior to us and even now. Um, I think when you're younger, you always experiment, you know, you always talked about, oh, in my experimental days type things. Um, but what's funny and interesting about that then can be very harmful to you as an adult. Um, and, and in so many ways, if your personal life is not in a, a satisfactory state of mind, a content state of mind, a peaceful state of mind, it can impact everything you touch, you know, especially it can touch your, your professional life. Um, mm -hmm. in, in some of the relationships that you have there, the youth today though, and now we can dive into some statistics. Okay. And this is going to branch a lot further than just relationships. Cause we're going to have to kind of dissect people. Um, and mainly 
I think we all know what the elephant in the room is and it's not even an elephant anymore. We know what it is. We just don't know how to approach it. And it's the social media aspect of everything. So it doesn't matter if you're a, in a, you know, monogamous relationship or a polygamous relationship or whatever it is, you're still going to have to deal with the idea. Is this person committed to me? Are they not committed to me? Am I committed to myself before I can even get to a place where um, somebody else can be happy with me? So let me kind of give you a pathway of what I want to do here. Okay. Relationships seem to be on a decline in this country as far as the traditional standard, right? Marriages are down. Relationships are down as far as people getting together and getting married, people being in a partnership. Um, and going along with that, sex is down. There's a 30-year low uh, of, of sex being down. That means people aren't having sex nearly as much as they were, well, 30 years ago. Um, this is alarming to a lot of people because it has to do with whether or not people like talking about it or not. Sex feels good. It makes people feel better. It makes people feel seen and felt, and there's a deeper connection. And sometimes even if it's not with a committed relationship, there's a lot of benefits that come from that. There's a lot of harmful things come from it too if you dive into the wrong way of doing it. But there was a statistic that said that somewhere along the lines of 30% of men under the age of 30 have not had sex in the last year. That's in a very high, a high number. Mm -hmm. what, what, what's your thoughts on just the, that statistic alone? Um, and what are some of the implications that can come from not just men, but people who are not having sex? Uh, what are some of the implications that can come from that? Yeah, so that is uh, a statistic that I was not aware of. So I appreciate you sharing that with me. Um, I think the biggest implication that I'm I'm concerned about, honestly, would be how are we having any kind of interpersonal relationships with people? Um, and not simply because we're not having sex, but simply because sex also leads us to having um, vulnerability with another person, you know, that connection to another person. Um, I would be curious just to see what their reasons are for why we're not having sex or why people are not having sex. Um, I could throw out some theories, but I don't know what they throw them out. What would you, this is the conversation part of it. Like what, yeah. you know, I, I have an idea of why that is. I, I think, you know, when you dive into, you know, people, I, I feel like we're starving for connection in a world where we're mm -hmm. connected. Right. And this isn't anything new to anybody, but it, what's crazy is that we are not utilizing our tools to our best ability. We're utilizing our tools, it seems. This is why I wanted you on the show today because there's this dichotomy at play. I feel that there's this hypersexualization taking place on social media. Maybe some people think it's a good idea. Some people think it's a bad idea. I'm just talking that there's a lot of it in your face, right? Um, yeah. With that being said, you would think people are selling sex more than ever. And if they are selling sex more than ever, it seems like they would be having sex more than ever. But that's not what's taking place. And that's the part that I'm kind of scratching my head on. It's like, what are we doing here? Is there a reason it doesn't get any further than, you know, just the lens in front of your face? Is that a health design? Is that good? Or is there really something that takes place that, you know, nobody really knows what to do with it once the camera shuts off? You know what I mean? Like when you get it, 
you know, when you slide into someone's DMs, are you only sliding into their DMs? The problem, the answer usually is, is you're sliding into 10, 20, 30 people. You're throwing right. them at the wall and seeing what sticks. So there's right. no real connections taking place. The mental health is a byproduct of that for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But like social media plays a huge impact of just this idea that we're not as connected as we used to be because we don't talk to each other anymore face-to-face verbally and you use the word vulnerable and expose ourselves to a vulnerable place where we can feel like we have a real connection with someone. There's always a piece of plastic in front of us. Um, how can, how can they both be true though? Don't, do you see a, do you see the sex being in your front of your face more than ever before on our phones? You know, whether it be youth, whether it be adults, everybody's selling it. Why isn't people having it? Yeah. Well, obviously being um, someone who is in kind of the sex field, so to speak, I definitely see it all over the place. Um, And I do think that that you're probably right in that, you know, we don't because we are so focused on what we can kind of consume through our phones um, or even through pornography or, you know, just any of these places where we can get that kind of like a little bit of emotional hit, you know, like high of feeling connected, but not actually being connected. Um, That is giving us that feeling without actually doing it. And I think all of our skills then are, our social skills are just suffering in that aspect from that, if that makes sense. So because we're not out there dating, because we're not out there in the clubs, because we're not out there just talking to people or trying to make connections with people we don't know how to do it anymore. And so I think that's probably why we're actually not having as much sex is because we just don't know how to, we know how to do it. We just don't know how to do it. Does that make sense? <laughs> that's going to be the line. We know how to do it. We just not sure how to do don't it. Don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 you're absolutely correct. It's, uh, I, I, I struggle with trying to figure out though, how to combat that. Um, or in your case, you've got to give advice. I mean, well, maybe you you don't, maybe subscribe to that way in the therapist world or not. But what do you do when people come to your door and they're struggling with this type of, uh, you know, cause you do focus in sexuality when someone's struggling with not having intimacy with other partners, what do you do? What kind of, how, how think, do you, how do you express or how do you address that topic with, with your, with your clients? Yeah. I think that there's, this actually might be, and it's just kind of now clicking for me is this might be why we are so prone or why there isn't kind of an uptick in a non-traditional relationship type of view is that when we don't have somebody, when we have, or when we are with someone, one person that we have a relationship with, and we don't feel like we're getting what we want from them or what we need from them, why we are so quick to go to maybe somebody else, right? This is, we're in a world of instant gratification. So as soon as I'm not getting what I want from one person, I'm out there trying to get it from somebody else. And that may be one of the reasons why we're kind of seeing an uptick in non-traditional relationships. That's just a theory. Um, But from my perspective, what, when I'm sitting with somebody and we're having conversations, you know, first of all, dating sucks. Like it is not pleasant to be out there, especially when you're in your thirties and forties. Like, it's just, it's not fun at all. Um, And it's really hard to get people to feel vulnerable. There is no conventional dating anymore. Everybody is online. That's really the only way to meet people. And so we're having to really combat not just the 
the disconnect, but also then that kind of throwaway culture that we have in dating of, you know, like swipe right as many times as humanly possible. And then, you know, filter through that afterwards, which takes a hit on your self-esteem no matter what, what sex you're looking at or where you fit on the, um, what side of the, the phone you're on essentially. Does that make sense? Yeah. I want to ask you a question, Jess. Do you think, yeah. and I mean this with all respect to you and me, cause I've said a lot on here too. Do you think anything we've said on this show is groundbreaking or new to people no okay so here's the here's the question then this is the part that makes me fascinated by the human race Mm -hmm. we know what is essentially leading to all of our problems why do we continue to participate in it why do we continue to Okay, I know that getting on Tinder tonight is not probably going to suit me in the long run. But I also know that I have a couple friends that uh, that got married. Be- because So maybe, is it the chance of like, I got to keep trying? Is it, is it the lottery of maybe, maybe it will happen? Um, or is it just like you said, dating sucks. Is it just more of, it's just so much easier to do that and be miserable rather than go out and put ourselves out there and then ultimately have nothing come back and be miserable that way. Why do we participate in this world? Yeah, I don't know. It's I feel like it's the same reason why we know that eating ice cream every night is not good for us, but we still do it anyway because we fucking like the ice cream, you know? Yeah. In a way, we like the, you know, and I, in a way, we like the attention. And so social not social media, but well, social media as well, but particularly dating apps. I tell everybody to go into a dating app as if it was strictly for entertainment purposes. Um, Because if you go into a dating app thinking you're going to find your one person, you are going to be sorely disappointed every fucking time you go in there. So you have to go into it thinking this is just for fun and games. This is just for me to get that little bit of interaction with a human being because I don't want to go out. Now, Obviously, it would be better if we went out, like, of course, but that's also uncomfortable. So (laughs) I think it's a little bit of everything, honestly. Like, I think that there's, there's just something about the easy way that it's a hat, it's become a habit. Our phones have become a habit and the norm, and it is so difficult to disconnect from them in every way, shape and form. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's. I think you're you're 100 correct. I think it's the easy way. It's just the wrong way, you know. And and not not necessarily saying getting on dating apps is wrong, but continuing to participate in that short term pleasure, hoping that it leads to some type of long term, you know, success or whatever your level of gratification is, is the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And I think more times than not, we as Americans, and the proof is not just in sex, but it's in everything. Like we want the short short term attention all the time. Um, from kids on the way all the way up to adults, you know, we all like attention. It's just, can we, can we continue to moderate it? And even when we're not getting it, can we be okay with not getting it? Can we be okay with the attention that we give ourselves? You know, when you're sitting in a quiet, lonely room, are you okay with that? Are you at peace with yourself? And I I don't know that that to me is where it all starts. And I would say we're not. 
And that's kind of where we're at with some of these other statistics that I want to throw at you. So let's look at the social media apps. Let's look at the short-term attention. Let's look at the hypersexuality. Um, let's, let's talk about Snapchat and TikTok, really TikTok, because it's kind of changed the game a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> United States teen girls experiencing sadness and violence. Okay. This is according to the CDC. 2011, teen girls who persistently felt sad or hopeless increased dramatically in the last 10 years. So I have a study here from the CDC, basically from 2011 to 2021, early 2022. It used to be 36% of girls persistently felt sad or hopeless. That then de or increased to 57%. Mm. That's 57%. Now, boys were 21% in 2011. They increased by 8% over 10 years, but not... 21 percent and there is this interesting thing because maybe because i'm a male i'm not being filtered the hypersexualization of teenage boys on tiktok or as usual boys aren't usually the one that are selling a lot of that sex that's not to say that they're not examples of that out there and there definitely are but i would i would say that everybody would agree that in larger numbers you see youth um and of course, adults are doing it too, but I just want to kind of hit this on at the earliest stages. You see youth selling sex and mm -hmm. nobody seems to be tackling any repercussions that come from it. I mean, is this, let me ask this question and maybe it's inappropriate because we're talking about, you know, 12 to 18 year old girls here, but is this an empowerment of an entire generation? Because we talked about owning your bodies and we talk about, you know, being less critical of oneself and putting it out there and things of that nature. Or is this ultimately going to increase in another 10 years from 57% to damn near 70% of teens being sad, hopeless, you know, body image issues, self-esteem at an all-time high. What's your thoughts on yeah, that? I hope, I hope that's not the case. Like, seriously, that would just be absolutely terrible. Um, Zach, because they're selling, I, I, I mean, it's in our face more than ever. They're live on yeah. TikTok. They're, they're in their bathing suits. They're dancing. They're whatever it might be. They're out there. And TikTok is finally getting under some attack for some other reasons. But like, there is this, there is some bills out there about, you know, banning 13 year olds from being in lower being on it. But that's still a pretty impressionable age for kids to be out there doing things uh, right. and putting a camera on in front of their face. So it seems like there's this definite attention as always before with teenagers wanting that attention, they're getting it. But ultimately, as we talked about, it's the short term attention. It has to lead in my opinion, to long term consequence on a relation or on, on their mental health. And then ultimately how they approach relationships. Would you disagree? Do you have a counter to that? Or were we simpatico? No, I, I agree with you. I think that there's, there's, the two things that are happening here are, you know, we're we're giving access to teenagers to be able to um, show themselves and get attention and consume all of this information when, you know, I don't know how old you are, Robert, but, you know, in the 1980s, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have all of these things. We had magazines and we had... Um, you know, TV. And 
I think that we still have all of the social, you know, not constructs necessarily, but like all of the social pressure to look a certain way, be a certain way, act a certain way, you know, sex sells. We see women, especially girls, see women in a very specific way, especially in America, that is the definitive of beauty, right? And so I think that we're, we're not, <laughs> it's hard because it's like, I want to say like the empowerment piece is so important because I truly believe that that is the case. And we, I want girls and women to love themselves and to love their bodies the way that they are and to not feel like they need to fit into the social, social norms and social constructs. Um, but we're still feeding them all of the social constructs and we're still feeding them this this view that they should be a certain way or they should act a certain way. And that's what's getting all of the attention. And so essentially they're modeling the same behavior that they're seeing, you know? 100% agree. Yeah. That's really it. They just have, now they have a platform and a space to be able to do it where they can reach so many more people. Whereas in the, in the eighties and nineties, you know, like it was just our close friends, you know, we didn't have, the internet yeah. was just starting to occur. Like, you know, you found pornography on the internet and you found like a gold mine and it was right. like this huge thing, but it wasn't even good porn. It was like 1960s and 70s porn. So, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, we're still feeding all of this information and all of these expectations on these young girls. And then we're giving them a platform to say, hey, like be yourself. And they are. And then we're also telling them that they shouldn't do that. So it's like, ah, what's the answer? I don't know. Well, that's what you're on the show for. I know. <laughs> no, it's what's the answer? And I mean, I can tell you, I have some, I mean, we all have ways that we think we should combat it. Um, but I guess I want to look at it from what, what's the answer? Well, first of all, let me ask this question. Is it a parental specific problem? Is it a school specific problem? Should they come together and solve it? Or are we now, as you said at the earlier parts of the show, there's a lot of policies out there right now that seem to be attacking certain groups of people. A lot of policies out there, not just attacking groups of people, but like that feel like maybe we're reversing our nation back to an earlier earlier date, especially you can look in education right now, you know, they're talking about critical race theory, what should be, uh, what should be a part of the curriculum, what shouldn't be a part of the curriculum. Now, they are starting to attack social and emotional intelligence and learning, whether or not that has a place in the classroom. If I remember correctly, that's all of what elementary was. It was the whole idea about regulating your emotions and expressing yourself and feeling things. And when you feel things, what is that emotion and how do I handle my anger and things of that nature? Well, right. come to find out that needed to be continued into middle school and high school. And it's just now being pushed as much as it has been. And it seems like as soon as it was getting ready to take off, bam, now there's pushback against it because we should only be learning traditional subjects. This is mm -hmm. just me speaking in jest, of course. But what I want to know is, is do you think if this is not a school issue, but parents clearly have just given their kids a phone and they will live 
and react after. There will be no proactive thinking that they will live and then react after whenever a, a, a situation might occur. They will then respond to it then. I think that's the wrong way of doing it. I think we need to be proactive and not reactive as a country. We need to talk about these apps and the, the implications that could come from it. We need to talk about what happens when you get on uh, TikTok at you know, 15, 16 years old and you get all of your social currency and value and how many likes and hearts somebody did because you were dancing. You know, again, I'm with you. I'm all about the empowerment and I'm all about there's nothing wrong with dancing, but if you're selling something, somebody's going to buy it. And once they bought it, do you like what, you know, what you sold? That's always going to be the question. So where, where yeah. do you think that line is? Where's that line, that balance of women's empowerment, being a female yourself? Do you have any kids, Jess? I do not. And I wanted to, I wanted to make sure I said that I am not a parent. So I don't, um, I have, I obviously have views on what should be happening and whatnot, but I, I understand I am not a parent and I have not had that experience. Um, but I do think that it is there is a lot of responsibility that lies with parents. Um, yeah, because people like, all right, like look, look at a Kendall Jenner, right? Before she was ever 18, she was selling sex and we were buying it hand over fist. And then we still have the, it's funny because as an American society, we buy it hand over fist. And yet on the other side of the mouth, we're talking about how we shouldn't exploit children and we shouldn't, you know what I mean? So there's this mm -hmm. dichotomy and that might be a topic that we can dive into or maybe save for another show. Um, but all of these decisions that we, we claim to care about, we seem to be doing nothing for, and it's getting worse. It's getting yeah. worse. Um, teen suicides, one in every three young girls right now have admitted to either, um, trying to commit suicide or thinking about suicide. Uh, every 100 minutes, a teenager does commit suicide in this country. Um, it's, do we really care? That's just do we terrible. really, do we really Ugh. care? This goes with gun control too. And how many yeah. school shootings we've had just this year alone. I'm going to ask the question, do we really care about other human beings outside of ours and our own? I don't know. I don't know. I like to think that we do. I really do. <laughs> Does that make us feel good? Yeah. It, I mean, it does, but it, the evidence does not show that, you know, like this and, and, you know, type back to relationships, we can see that in relationships too, you know, like if we want to believe that our partner is good for us, or we want to believe that this is the right thing, or this is the right person, you know, we will overlook a lot of things, um, a lot of red flags. And I feel like, you know, maybe that's what we're doing. We want to believe so badly that we are willing to overlook all of the evidence that shows the opposite of that well you're right you're right we want to we're 100% you know I tried to educate my kids because for seven years I could see I had this leadership class and we would we do talk I mean I would be out of a job completely if you take away the social emotional uh, intelligence part of what we do because that was my entire curriculum was basing yeah. things around that um, we did have a conversation about relationships and young love and, and you can talk about whether that's inappropriate for a teacher to have, or if that's the perfect person to have, because kids might not necessarily talk to their parents about those things. Or unfortunately there's other statistics that show that we have single parent households. We have kids that, you know, don't 
come from a traditional family like you would like, um, or necessarily, not necessarily like you would like, but a traditional household where they're happy and healthy and everything, all their social constructs mm -hmm. are in place. Um, but I just wanted to make sure I was inclusive to your- The nuclear family here, right? the nuclear yeah. family, right. Um, <laughs> but I tried to tell them what's interesting is that you guys are children. You're eight, nine, 10 years of age. Then you get to a place where you hit middle school and everything changes. Hormones come into play. You start caring what you look like. Um, you start caring how you look to other people. Um, mm -hmm. This is new for you and it's new for them. It's new for your classmates, your peers. And everything's new. And mm -hmm. you're getting a little older, so you get a little more responsibility. You get a little more freedoms. And what do we all do? We, we explore. We experiment. We want to do things because they're the first time. What I tried to tell my kids was is that What's heartbreaking is that you guys are now analyze or you're gathering all of this data. Okay. You're gathering all of this information on what you believe love is. You mm -hmm. believe relationships are and how they should work and operate in a successful manner. When in reality, the first 10 years of your dating life is going to be the worst 10 years of your dating life. Truthfully. Yeah. So this idea of like young love and, you know, yeah, it, it exists, but on a small portion of people, do they actually get to the finish line? You know, more people are getting cheated on, whether it be cheated on digitally, cheated on in person, they're getting cheated on. That has implications and ramifications that come with that. I just tried to tell my, 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 my students, I'm like, I'm not telling you not to be you and not to try and pursue love and relationships. I think it's important that you do, but I also think it's important sometimes that you do get your heart broke and you figure out how to overcome. Um, but with that being said, just keep in mind, like you said, keep in mind, um, there's, uh, that this isn't the end all be all of way men will always behave the way young women will always behave. Everybody's exploring. Mm -hmm. And if you guys can constantly somehow have that in the back of your mind, you'll be better off for it because you'll know that you'll, you'll, and it's hard for them because everything's new and I'm mm. old. Oh yeah. Right? <laughs> you don't know anything. <laughs> right. But it's unfortunate that the worst versions of dating mm -hmm. are the earliest versions of dating. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it unfortunately makes them become bad versions of themselves as adults who really never learned appropriate ways of and healthy relationship styles. Um, and I think yeah. that's why we are a nation that might look for alternatives. Um, and that might not be a bad thing, but if you take unhealthy people that have mental, unhealthy mental health and body image issues and self-esteem issues, and just because they're adults now, and although they might be looking for an, an alternative taboo way, it ain't, you can be with four people, you can be with one person. It ain't going to lead to a successful anything because you didn't take care of you. Okay. Well, and if you don't have the skills, it doesn't matter how many people you bring into the relationship. It just gets more complicated. Like it does not get right. easier. I promise. Like it gets more and more complicated with every person that you bring into the relationship. And so if you don't have the basics, you're not going to get anywhere. And I think that's a huge piece of, of that is kind of what you said, like you ha they have all of these expectations about what love is going to be like, what relationship is going to be like. You know, I think every single probably teenager, at least teenage girl, 
had this idea that they were going to get married to their high school sweetheart and it was going to be the best thing in the entire world. Probably like 2% of that actually works out, you know? And so I think that while it's, it's just hard to manage the expectations for people. And I think that is a, a basic human thing, whatever, no matter what we're talking about, we have expectations for certain things. And when those expectations are not met, we're disappointed. And a lot of times the expectations aren't even expectations that somebody can live up to. They're, they're not just real. in our head. Yeah. They're not real. Yeah. They're not realistic. Right. They're not realistic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Try telling a teenager that though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Trust me. I know. I don't have any kids and I'm 36 to answer your question, but um, I, I want to kind of do some, uh, hard hitting rapid fire. It doesn't oh, have to gosh. be rapid fire, but I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> Got You're it. female. Yes. And we, and I, 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 I am really curious where the balance is to empowerment of body and when that's appropriate to do. Okay. Mm -hmm. Appropriate. Teenagers love listening to adults use the word potential and appropriate. It makes them vomit, right? It makes them rebel just because we use those two terms. Um, but the bottom line is, is that, you know, it's all coming from a good place. We all want to make sure that they're, they're happy and healthy in the long run. Um, 12 year old, 13, 14 year old girls wearing midriff shirts, appropriate, inappropriate, empowering, not empowering. What's your thoughts on that? Should the boys just not look? Oh, that's a whole other conversation, Robert. I feel like there's a lot of. <laughs> I'm here to have it. I'm here to do. have it because I think I, I'm, I'm here to have it because I think this is the conversation that leads to these types of things. Not necessarily saying that a girl wearing a midriff shirt leads to suicide and depression. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is, is that. They're selling something, whether they think they're selling it or not. And it, it, trust me, there's a whole lot of things, fashion trends. Yeah. What's don't get me wrong. You can buy a full length shirt. That's still available. I'm not going to have a conversation with a, a 15 year old girl about how she can't find a shirt other than a midriff. That's not true. However, <laughs> I get what the point is. I, I, I get what the points being said, right? Mm -hmm. I want you to answer these questions if you feel comfortable. Yeah, no, good. I, I. I'm going to be complicated because I feel like there is there are appropriate times and there are inappropriate times. And to the last part of your question, which I feel like is the bigger part of that is should boys just not look is no, but we need to be teaching boys what is appropriate and not appropriate as opposed as to how to speak to girls, because okay. there are a lot of boys out there who are treating girls as if they are just sex objects, right. because that is what they've been taught, regardless of what the girl is wearing. That does not mean shit. And I think does that's it, a huge conversation that doesn't doesn't happen a lot of the time. And I agree with you. I agree with you. Can you understand how it's confusing at times? I absolutely can understand how it's confusing. Uh, so then now we're sitting at the same table, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because there's a there's an old Dave Chappelle joke that was just gold back in the 90s. He talks about just because I'm dressed this way doesn't mean I am this way. And he talks about... Mm -hmm. Um, a guy going up to a, a girl that was dressed a certain way and being inappropriate. And she says that to him. She goes, just because I'm dressed this way, yada, yada. And then uh, 
And then uh, someone's being mugged or something like that, and they that same girl runs up to a police officer, a male police officer, and says, "I need help! I need help!" And he says, "Just because I'm dressed this way doesn't mean I, ha-, you know what I mean." In the, the <laughs> it's a little bit of a reach, but there's there's something yeah. there that does make sense. Um, he's saying it's confusing, and yeah. that's where parents are supposed to step in. But we started teaching sex ed in in schools in the late '80s because statistics shown that parents weren't doing their jobs and more and more of these things have been being thrown on the schools over the last 20, 25 years. And now it seems like they want to blame the schools for Mm -hmm. having taught those things. And there are, there are areas in which, you know, liberal left has gone way too far trying to teach things. Um, I would say that's probably smaller pockets and there deserves some, you know, some pushback. Um, But now we're getting, high resistance in certain areas of pushback, certain books they can't read. Mm -hmm. Tennessee just passed a law about no drag shows. Um, Interesting that they just had a, a, a school shooting um, that in their own state with something kind of in the ballpark, you know what I mean? Um, So the conversation with the boys, I get, what's the conversation being had with the girls? I can tell you with the boys, I, what I would say, I know well, what's the conversation being had with the girls, because I had this conversation with my senior and junior leadership class and how many of the girls thought they should be able to wear midriffs at the school. And it was 90 mm-hmm. some percent. Yeah. 90 some percent. And then the question became what's considered midriff, how far up can it be? And then now, and that's where schools don't want to play. We don't want to be in that area. We just want to teach. So now that's where we're just like, no fun no midriffs and it's just wear a normal t-shirt and that's where so i'm going to ask you is it appropriate for stuff like that to be sold or be sold to be shown at at a school i would i would say personally this is just my personal opinion that no it is not appropriate for school however i do think that at least from my i remember in my school days right like the school was very very I'm not gonna say very much harsher. The school was a lot harsher on girls and clothing attire than they were on boys. And to the point where it was very much like, I can't find things that I'm going to be able to wear to school. Um, You know, girls weren't allowed to wear tank tops or anything that showed a bra strap or, you know, you've like, that's where it's starting to get like, okay, I can understand where the school is coming from, but also are you freaking kidding me? Like my bra strap can't be showing. Like right. now, now we're just asking girls to wear, not wear bras. And right. how is that going to Which is go, another, right? that's another question, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that there's, uh, it's so difficult because I can very much see both sides of it and I can very much see and argue either side of it. And there isn't really like a great answer for any of it. I would always argue that the school is a place of education and it, any distraction from that is not what the school wants. Now there's mm-hmm. the realistic side that says we all know that kids going to school is for a multitude of things. And sometimes maybe more times than not education is pretty low on the list of what they're actually there to do. I would say that the school doesn't need to pander to just because students you know, want to be able to freely show and things of that nature. They shouldn't pander to that. They should stick, stand by what their, their, their constructs are. With that being said, realistically, 
I think you're right. There is a time and a place. And I think, you know, outside of the school, if a parent thinks the kid is mature enough to handle that type of fashion, that type of, uh, you know, body image, you know, not just with other people, but like with themselves, if they're, you know, if they're okay with showing off a little midriff and they're comfortable with it, and then they can still make sure that they've got value coming in from other areas of life where it's not just me selling my body or, you know, just not even selling. I don't even like that word. Just the idea of like, you know, being comfortable with my body and, and being able to show it off in certain, but then the question becomes today it's midriff tomorrow. It's what is it? No bras. Is it uh higher midriffs? Now we're showing the rib cage. Is it like, where is the limit and who gets to decide the limit? And now these functions and these, these foundations like education are always the first ones on the front line because they're the right. ones that are, you know, fighting out or fighting back against it. I don't need to, we don't need to dive in so much there because we're kind of, kind of getting off topic, but I think all of this does play a part into body image, self-esteem, mm -hmm. and ultimately where we end up as people with our mental health and ultimately how it is clearly, clearly impacting our, our relationships in 2023. Yeah, I 100% agree. And the only thing that I want to kind of add to that is just the, the, the brain nugget of, you know, we're going to police girls clothing so much, but then we have the cheerleading squad out there. Interesting, interesting point. Yeah. How about volleyball? And those are school approved. Yeah. How about volleyball? No leggings, but tight spandex when you're playing volleyball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's hypocrisies all the way around it. Um, sometimes it, it always felt like, uh, you know, I'd have these conversations with staff members and a lot of the guys, especially the older teachers, I'm not going near that. Well, we got to be able to talk about it. Just because I'm a male doesn't mean yeah. I'm not allowed to have an opinion on the matter. I just, I'm more curious as, and that's why I was glad to have you on today to kind of, what are a female's thoughts on that? Um, yeah. And I think honestly, like it's really difficult because when we're talking about mental health, there are so many, there are so many things that can trigger, especially young girls in mental health aspect and self-esteem. And it doesn't eat, even if they are wearing the baggy sweatshirts and the, you know, oversized pants and they're not showing their body, you know, any kind of criticism toward a, toward a young teenager male or female can really cause some damage on that self-esteem and their mental health. So, you know, there is no, there is no great right way. Isn't it our job as adults to give them the cleanest, less evil way possible to at least try something? Isn't it our job to have something, I mean, in something universal yeah. where we can all kind of come to terms on what that is. And what I mean by is, maybe we shouldn't have a platform that's available until you're 18 years of age. If, if the common law in this country is that you're not an adult until 18, then technically you shouldn't be, you know, allowed to have access to these things until that age, or maybe 16 or whatever you're, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it's state by state based upon this, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it seems that we're so far behind everything internet, everything that has to do with online world. And it, the people that are suffering is this generation, the next generation and the next generation until the adults finally figure this stuff out. There was yeah. a, uh, uh, there was American psychological association, the APA put out a, uh, a report. They did an experiment with, uh, reducing social media use significantly improves body image in teens and young adults. Okay. So according to this, let me just make sure 
teens and young adults who reduce their social media usage by 50% for just a few weeks. Okay. Just kind of mm -hmm. ridding, you know, themselves of the toxicity, the comparison all the time. Those that did it for two to three weeks, it fell, reduced the social media use by 50% just a few weeks, saw improvement on how they felt about their weight and their overall appearance compared with peers who maintain consistent levels of social media use, according to research. And that's just because no matter how fit you are, there's always going to be somebody more fit online and you're going to compare yourself to them and you're going to now all of a sudden your self-esteem is taking a hit for that. So mm -hmm. there's that. We should police it. That's an argument. What about this argument about parents saying, dive in and we'll mm -hmm. react to it? Mm-hmm. Is that where we've been doing is, is it a pathway that we should take or should we be regulating more of these things? And once you start regulating, you do lose freedoms. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, my personal opinion is the regulation needs to be more on a parental basis than on a, um, you know, more stringent, I guess, basis, because right now I feel like the parental base, maybe not, I don't know. The. I don't want to say that the parent parents aren't doing their jobs. Um, but I do feel like there is, like you said, just this very much a, I'm going to just wait until something happens and then reacts. We have very, I've seen that, you know, a ton in, especially teenagers in this era right now, you know, um, parents want to be their best friends. Parents want to be the cool parents. They want to be, be the ones who are allowing their kids to do all of the things, right? Because they didn't get to do the things. And that's, that's a whole other discussion that kind of goes from, you know, we do, we do the opposite of what our parents taught us to do, essentially, right? Like we, whatever we grew up with, we want to do better, and we want to give our kids more. And um, that kind of swings generationally back and forth, uh, depending on what you're looking at. But again, I'm not a parent. So I feel kind of like a hypocrite when I say that, but at the same time, I do think that there is a lot that parents can be doing that they just don't want to do. Um, and that's really unfortunate because they are missing a whole lot of information with their kids. And I feel like, again, that's just kind of keeping everybody disconnected. We've essentially taken an entire generation, threw them in the deep end and told them to learn how to swim. Some mm -hmm. do, some come back, swim incredibly well and a lot drown. And I fear that we'll continue to lose more to drowning um, until we can come together on something. And right now yeah. with the divisiveness in American politics, it seems like TikTok although for different reasons right now, does have a, um, a kind of a unanimous following from the, uh, you know, from our legislators. They seem to be, mm -hmm. they seem to be on board with banning it, but not for the reasons that we're talking about. Um, right. The hypocrisies of American culture still exist. They exist at every social construct that we have. Um, like you said, can't wear leggings, but you can go be a cheerleader. You can't, you know, wear a midriff, but you can go wear spandex for volleyball. You, and you're right. It is more, uh, guys can have their shirts off. Um, girls can't, um, there used to be this common, like 
just kind of like an agreement of that. And then the older we get, it seems to be there's more, well, why can't we, why can't, you know, they just, you know, adjust to us and I, we can either agree or disagree on that, but that's for a different show. Um, with the last kind of five, six minutes here, I want to dive in, Jess, a little bit more into the world that you are taboo, um, um, you know, like uh, specialize in. Um, yeah. How does one, first of all, how does one want to be a specialist or how do you find yourself as a specialist on non-traditional relationships and why did you choose that pathway? Yeah, uh, so that life chose me a little bit. Um, okay. You know, the classic, <laughs> I didn't choose this life, the life chose me, right? Um, <laughs> that's, I, I went into, um, so previously I was a journalist. I, I worked as a journalist for 10 years. I it was an editor for a newspaper. Uh, that's extremely depressing, by the way. And I got out of that and I ended up going back to graduate school and I became a therapist. And as I was in therapy, you know, doing my postgraduate work and um, just getting started in practice, there were a lot of people who came to me and wanted to talk about sex. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And there were some that it would take them six or 12 months before they would finally feel comfortable and say, hey, so I want to talk about something that's been really bothering me for a while. And this is what it is. And it was whatever it was, you know, whatever the issue was. And for me, I was like, great, let's talk about it. You know, I have no judgment whatsoever on anybody. And there were so many people who had such a spectacular reaction to that when I said, you know, there's nothing that you can say that's going to surprise me. I worked with the military for, you know, three years. I have, I grew up in the military. Literally nothing can surprise me. I have heard everything. Um, so when people started telling me things and I just would respond with, okay, cool. Like, tell me some more about that. You know, they were like, wait, what? Like, you don't think I'm crazy for this or you don't think that this is weird or and I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I, you know, like not to sound callous, but like, I don't care what you're doing in your bedroom. Like, right. tell me more about like, why is this bothering you? Let's get to like with the real issue. And I have had so many people who have just been so amazingly surprised that there are people, therapists out there who are open to non-judging you know especially being in the south right like i a lot of times i have people who come to me in there <laughs> my last therapist told me maybe you should go to church my last therapist told me oh well you know it sounds like you want to have your cake and eat it too because you want an open relationship and i'm like wow wow, wow. that's pretty shitty sounds like there's some bad therapists out there just like bad <laughs> teachers bad parents we're all there's some bad people in every line of work huh so, so my focus was just, you know, like, well, let me just tell people this is what I'm about. That way they know right away they can jump in the deep end with me and not have to beat around the bush, essentially. And that's kind of how I got here. All right. I'm going to ask you a question from Robert to Jess. Okay. Sure. In your honest opinion, and I'm sure you got clients that are going to watch this, so you're going to have to be <laughs> careful here, but gotcha. I'm not talking just the therapist. Okay. But I'm sure they're the same person because you're non-judgmental as a person. I, I, I'm the same way. I'm not judging anybody to each your own. Do you want to do it? Do it. You want to, I, I just, I'm also a realist when I say, okay, 
I do believe that if you have more than one partners, which is totally fine, um, if you can make it work, I just think it, you're also going to get to a point where it, it ultimately ends up not working. How many of those would you say either go back? Nah, forget that. That's a statistical question. Yes. <laughs> do you believe it to be a healthier alternative that can actually be sustainable? to try something non-traditional and I'm not talking, you know, um, like, uh, gay couples or bisexual mm -hmm. couples or things of that nature. Um, cause by all means you should love be with anyone that you, you want to be able to be with. Um, I'm just talking, talking about this idea of multiple partners. You really think that's partners, a sustainable, yeah. healthy mental route that can be, I mean, it's going to have its challenges, but that's something sustainable I think is the word I'm looking at sustainable and a happy and healthy route or way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I would say, yes, I do believe that it is. Um, there are, it does take work. It does take work and every relationship is going to take work. And honestly, if we started to look at the monogamous relationships out there, how many of them would you actually say just because they're together, are they happy and healthy? And you know, like just because they're together, does that make it a success? Right. I wouldn't so, gauge it as that. No, but no, by no means. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> sustainability, I think, is the is the tricky part, because it's like, well, what what do we consider sustainable? Like, is that are we basing that off of how long they're together? How many children do they have? You know, what what is the measurement that we're using to make it sustainable? Um, disregarding that, I think that absolutely there there's a way for any any relationship, no matter what you call it, to be healthy, happy and productive or whatever you want to call it. I'm on board. I'm on board. I want people to be happy as long as it's done at a, uh, when they're adults, um, <laughs> consent, consent, well, consent. And I mean, as yeah. once they hit their adult mind, like, you know, I'm not going down the road of like Mormons. Um, I've yeah. seen, I've seen, uh, people, you know, there's separation of church and state in theory in this country. Um, but you know, like, uh, there was an episode of Judge Judy on the other day of this guy who legally, I use the term legally loosely because in his eyes, it was legally by his, his religion. Um, yeah. And he had the right to express and part or practice his religion in any way he sought forth. But it was uh, married to 14 year old, married to a 16 yeah, year old. Yeah. Two of them, he was also married to their mother. So the mother was participating in this. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, he had something like 11 or 12 wives, according to him. Not, not, by, not by law, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, like, this right. was happening. This was happening. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, that's that's not the type of taboo that's that we're not, talking about. That's not the type we're going with. Yeah. yeah. No, we're not talking about consenting adults about. and, you know, yes, consenting adults who are having discussions and uh, discussing limitations and boundaries for within their relationship, whatever that may look like. And I Absolutely. get it. I get it. You know, you try one thing, it's not working. I might as well go this route, see if this works. Cause you know, again, when you're younger, that's what you do is you explore and you try to find, it isn't even younger. It's just, we're constantly, at least I would like to think that we as human beings are constantly trying to find that happiness. It seems like by us, all the statistics that we might be tapping out, we might be giving up. Um, yeah. and I hope that's not the case because, uh, if you think things are bad now, um, they will get a lot worse in your society when you got a lot of people walking around, not having sex with one another, not having relationships anymore. And you can sit there and say how taboo that word is to say, but truth of the matter is you feel a lot happier with your day when you, when you had sex, right. Or you feel a lot happier with Definitely. your day when somebody, 
when somebody sees you, uh, somebody says they love you, or you have a real connection with someone or intimacy or just a hug. That's why we see all these people saying yeah. free, you know, free hugs free on the hugs. sidewalk. That stuff matters because you feel seen in this world. Um, if you don't have that, you're gonna have a bunch of bitter people walking around and, you know, with a, who knows, who knows? I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to speculate too much more than that, but uh, Jess, I've loved having you on. I thought this was great conversation. It probably went all over the place, but like I said, this is season four, episode one. Um, I'm just very happy to have you on the show. And, uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, was it awful? Was it torture? No, not at all. I so appreciate you having me on and just be willing to have the conversation. Cause like you said, I think that these are important conversations to be having. And even if we don't come up with like a great plan of what it means or a way to go, at least we're having the discussion and that's, that's what matters. It, it does matter, you know, but I'm part of a, I kind of feel like a fraud because I've sat in a lot of rooms and I said, I'm so sick of tired of having the discussions. We need to like, it's time now, you know, like what, what yeah. good did we do with the world today where we just talked about all the things that we know exist? Um, but what I had to kind of pull myself back, what, what good comes from that is that not, not everybody is aware of these things. You always mm -hmm. are constantly touching new people with the discussion. So you can't stop having the discussion. I just know that I need to be a little more proactive in figuring out how to solve some of these things because I want to do more than just talk about it. I want to be about it. So uh, yeah. just lovely, lovely. Uh, we'll stay in touch. Mm -hmm. We'll have you on again in the future and uh, um, stay on the line here when I get off and uh, we'll talk well, offline here. But um, yeah, just, uh, just great conversation and we'll see everybody else on down the road. Follow, like, subscribe, hit all the buttons that you need to share this. Again, this is how it's going to grow. So we'll talk to you later. Thank you.